With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, everyone, to our Sunday edition of BAMS Radio. Uh, as we are wrapping up, unfortunately, this Alabama football season, instead of maybe potentially previewing Alabama playing for their 19th national championship, which ironically would have been against Kalen DeBoer in Washington, who upset the Texas Longhorns. 37 to 31. We are instead wrapping up Alabama's season. The comeback fell short. Alabama, you know, really played a poor first half. Uh, did not uh, come out, you know, it, it, I didn't think ready to play, honestly. I think Michigan, to their credit, Alabama just got beat. Uh, Michigan came out very, very aggressive. Their blitz packages, uh, they did not do what Georgia did. They didn't try to spy and, and basically depend on their front four to pressure. Uh, they blitzed Milrow. He didn't handle the blitz well all year, and neither did the O-line. And Alabama gave up five sacks and was really very fortunate to only trail 13-10 to 10 at halftime, partially because of the greatest kicker in Crimson Tide history, Will Reichert. Will Reichert goes out, uh, you know, as the all-time leader in all categories, including made field goals after he made kicks of 50 and 52 yards. And to Alabama's credit and the coaching staff, they did rally at halftime. Uh, they did adjust, and they really, I thought, kicked the hell out of Michigan for the majority of the second half. But you have to finish. And uh, Freddie Roach's defensive line, no shock, wasn't able to close out the game on the final drive of regulation, and they allowed a 75-yard drive. Then the offense wasn't able to uh, go, uh, you know, try to get a, another field goal attempt for Reichert with a, a minute and 34 to go. And then we go into overtime, and I don't think enough's being made of the defense's piss poor showing in overtime. Two run plays, a touchdown, and then we all know Alabama was stopped on the fourth down. Seth McLaughlin now going to be the center at Ohio State. That should tell you a lot about what, how he's viewed as a player. A lot of criticism for McLaughlin, and he had snap issues, but I don't think all those snap issues were on Seth McLaughlin. I do think some were definitely on Jalen Milrow, no question about that. Milrow came a long way, had a great season, uh, but uh, didn't. You, you know, you're remembered for how you finished. Alabama didn't finish, so unfortunate. That's unfortunate for the guys. I think they had a great year. I think it was Saban's best coaching job. But again, it, it's a, it leaves a bitter taste in everyone's mouth when you're one play away uh, from potentially playing for a national championship. And I think they would have had a good shot against Washington, but they're not going to get to play those guys. The Wolverines are, and uh, the Wolverines got a chance to win their first since 97, and when they shared it with Nebraska, and then, of course, Washington since 91 when they shared it with Miami. So one of those are going to break a long drought uh, tomorrow night, no doubt about it. But we're going to talk about this season and more and wrap it up with our uh, two, of course, my two cohorts, Thomas the Wizard Watts in the city of Mobile. He's going to keep us uh, you know, rolling, producing on the air. He's going to have some of his thoughts on the game and the season. And, of course, from 89-93, a national champion, William Redfish Barger. And we're going to talk about it today 
Uh, and then we're going to talk about some recruiting news, too, because Alabama got some good news from the All-American game, the former Army game on NBC Sports yesterday. William, uh, a disappointing end for this Alabama team. Uh, I know we were all very confident they could beat Michigan. Um, I wasn't as confident that they would win by double figures. I know you and Thomas thought that it could be a double-digit game. I had a feeling Alabama was going to get Michigan's best shot. They did, and I think I think they should have closed them out, but could have, would have, should have. They didn't get it done. Yeah, and I was very uh, appreciative. I, I had talked so much smack to my poor Michigan fan mother for the previous two weeks leading up to that. I was dreading having to make that phone call, but she uh, she let me off the hook pretty easily. Um, but it, it just, you know, there, there were some things there that, uh, you know, I, I, I wasn't convinced that uh, Michigan's front seven could overwhelm Alabama's offensive line, but they did at times. Um, you know, you, you didn't get J.C. Latham's best game, certainly with an injured Caden Proctor. I mean, even Tyler Booker, um, you know, didn't play his best game. But, you know, I, I would advise – you guys and and listeners to the show if y'all haven't had an opportunity already to watch the ESPN View 22 broadcast um just just pretend like it's not out there cuz it's it's a brutal watch um and for those of you that aren't familiar with it it's a it's a, a recording that's done off of the sky cams and so you get to see the whole field you know you get to see the blitzes before they happen um, you know, you get to see the receivers that were wide open, especially on, you know, check down and hot routes that were uh, hot routes that were ignored. Um, you, you get to see the linebackers in the fourth quarter. Thomas is probably too young to remember this, but Drew, you should probably you probably had one like I did. But there was a, a archaic football game back in the '70s and '80s. I think it was called like Statomatic or something, and and the the field vibrated. And, uh, and, and, you know, some, sometimes the players would get glitched up and wouldn't go anywhere, and they would just spin around in a circle um, and, and not go anywhere. And that's what our two inside linebackers looked like on multiple occasions in pass uh, coverage against Michigan. So there's plenty of blame to go all, you know, go all around. Um, but it was, you know, it was kind of a frustrating way to end the season, but I'm, I'm not going to. You know, Nick, like I've said before, Nick can shove all the 12 win seasons down my throat that he wants to. Yeah, I mean, and I would agree. I, yeah, it's one of those things you just, you, if you don't win at all, that's kind of the way Alabama's standard is. It, it's disappointing, but this team got back to the playoff. Uh, many people, including myself, after the South Florida game, was, was not convinced they'd even win the West or get back and win the SEC championship and, and then have a chance to win a national title. So, Kudos to the coaching staff and to the players. And they had a great year. They still beat Georgia. I mean, some of the funniest stuff that I've seen is, well, if Georgia had got in, would they have won the national championship? I mean, I'm just going to say they, they couldn't beat Alabama. Okay? They had their shot. Alabama had their shot against Michigan. They didn't win. So, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll quote Roll, Roll Tide Willie. I don't give a piss about Georgia. Okay? And uh, I just that's just one, one of those things. I mean, I, I just – it's one of those, uh, you know, they, they had their shot. They're a really good team. I still think they're one of the best four, but that's just the way it worked out this year. There was too many good teams. And, and, uh, and heck, man, I went 0 for 2 
in the playoff games. I thought Texas would win, and for the majority of that game, Texas made a great comeback late, you know, to, to give themselves a chance. But, I mean, they never led in the game, and they couldn't stop Michael Penix. So it's just one of those things that you never know, and it's a disappointing end for Alabama. But now I'm more interested to see how they react because uh, I've, I've been saying all along I feel like Tommy Reese is going to come back, and, and of course, uh, you know, Kevin Steele, I, I believe that. Um, we've already seen Coleman Wiggins depart for Texas A&M. That's no bit. I mean, he did a nice job, did a good job at Alabama. Uh, but I, I think, you know, new blood's not going to hurt anyone. I still wish they, uh, you know, they do something and make a move and bring in Bo Davis and, and either move Freddie Roach to outside backers or put him on the road. Because I'm just telling you, uh, I don't think the defensive line played well enough in the game. Uh, I don't think that, uh, you know, I, I thought the second half they played much better. But again, you get tired of the slow starts. And then I started thinking back and harkening back when Alabama rallied in 2012 in Red Stick to, uh, you know, to, to with when uh, A.J. McCarron had a very poor game, especially second half. But he and Norwood put together that drive. They scored. And then Damian Square and those bunch of monsters closed out the game because there was still over a minute to go for LSU. And they closed it out by sacking the effing quarterback and, and you know, and, and winning the football game. So I, I just think Alabama, they've got to get back to being more aggressive and more and more dominant along the defensive line. Uh, and I think that's a move they need to make. And LSU, for the third straight offseason, tried to hire Bo Davis. He refused. Probably going to stay in Texas. But I still wish Alabama would make some moves because I just feel like Thomas – that Alabama's lost a little bit of edge on the defensive line. And, and I'll give Michigan credit. Uh, Dallas Turner and, and Braswell had really good years, man. And Turner is going to be a first-round pick. Braswell certainly, I think, will probably be a second-rounder. Uh, they're really good players. A boy B had a really good year. Uh, but Alabama only got one sack the entire game against Michigan, and Michigan finishes with six. Well, if we're going to assign blame in this game – did the Alabama defense not fit, find a way to close it out at the end of the fourth quarter and then struggled in overtime against Michigan? Yeah, they did. Those, those are unequivocal facts. But I, I've got to be honest, Drew. I am not, and I never have been, wildly blown away with Jalen Milrow's supposed development. Um, Alabama's offense, in most cases, made itself more competent as the offensive line gelled as Jaden Roberts comes in. Yeah. And they ran, in a lot of cases, almost like a modified weird triple option. Now, was it a triple option in the classical sense? No. But Milrow, had he got a little bit of a clock. So the vast majority of Alabama's offense was on the ground, either Milrow taking off when he doesn't see whatever he needs to see, or design quarterback run, or hit him with the stable of backs. And, you know, the proof is in the pudding with this. Alabama, Tommy Reese and crew were able to draw up open guys, open receivers. Now, some of them were outside of Milrose sight lines, and I get that. But, you know, the, 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 the pro, here's the problem. It's one thing to lock in against Texas and throw one of the worst interceptions you will ever see in major college football. That's your second start. I'll give you a mulligan on that one. It's quite another 
to not be able to consistently understand where your hot route is and even to maybe occasionally reset your protections in the proper way and the offense stalls out because of it. So I'm not really on this. Yes, does Alabama's defensive line need to get better? Absolutely. If half of what has been said about Freddie Roach as a recruiter is true, and you know me, Drew, I am not a recruiting guy. So I am, I'm not going to say yay or nay on that. I'll, I will take what has been said to me and just ride with it in terms of Freddie Roach's inability to recruit, particularly as you talk about certain, let's call it lazy tendencies at times. But I think the blame really needs to rest on Jalen Milrow and to a certain extent the Alabama offensive line. But I think something that really needs to be said is those six players, the five offensive linemen and the quarterback, have to consistently be in sync to move the ball effectively. And I don't know how often that happened past the Kentucky game. Because if you remember, Alabama looked discombobulated for large stretches of the Iron Bowl. They looked discombobulated. Like the, If I never have to watch the third quarter of the SEC championship game again, I'm good with it because it was, uh, was oogly-boogly. And then, you know, we've already talked about the first half against the Wolverines. And really, the second half was Alabama trying to physically impose themselves upon Michigan, which they did for, frankly, 75% of the second half. But, you know, if you want to put blame on it, it's those six guys. And, look, Jalen Milrow was the best option outside outside of USF. I think you could make an argument that it's still Simpson should have gotten a look. But, hey, I'm not going to go play revisionist history. I think the number of assumptions you have to make to make the argument that Alabama is where they got to with Ty Simpson approaches infinity, and that's just not going to work. Okay, that being said, though, Milro was the best option this go-around. You know, new, new, offensive, new offensive coordinator, changing things around, yada, yada, yada. So third-year player, get your stuff, you know, sixth in the Heisman voting, blah, 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 but still deficient in a lot of quarterback requirement areas. Like, I'll put my mouth on it. Jalen Milrow's, you know, he might have the most athletic body in the SEC, he's got a one-and-a-half-star brain. I mean, football IQ almost in the negatives in many cases. Unable to work with people, struggles with all of that. So what is what is that part of this six-man unit I'm talking about need to do? He needs to massively improve his football IQ in the offseason because you know, the, now, the ta- now the tape's out. Everyone remembers that Jalen Hurts got Alabama to within two drives, really, of the national championship his freshman year. And then everybody had the tape on the guy that slowed him down, and it wasn't as good. And then suddenly here we are, Tua Tonga by Loa's in the, in the wings. And go back to those shows. We were howling, give us more Tua, give us more Tua. I'm not saying Ty Simpson, Julian Sayan, or Dylan Lonergan, or Tua Tonga by Loa. I want to be very, very clear about that. But – Jalen Milrow has to continue to progress, or we're going to be right back here kind of at this point of what could have been as we come out of next season, Drew. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt progress has to be made. I mean, and when you play the elite of the elite, that's kind of what it tells you if you don't finish. Uh, you know, there's there's still work to be done, uh, no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, and, 
And since we've been talking, guys, I mean, I've, I've just uh, the, 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 port, the transfer portal list has expanded. Uh, they lost another defensive back, Jake Pope, who didn't play much. You know, he's a special teams guy, young redshirt freshman uh, from Buford, Georgia. He's gone into the portal. Um, but Alabama, the signed seven DBs are going to in this class. They, they have uh, because Alabama, you know, we can kind of talk about it. We can intertwine it there. It's a pretty good segue. They got a really big commitment. Got to give T-Rob a lot of credit. They got Zay Mincy from Daytona Beach mainland. Uh, he had already signed, but he announced at the All-American game that he was committed slash signed. <laughs> He's an outstanding player, a lot of length, over six foot one. I think ultimately he'll be an Eddie Jackson type safety. Uh, I don't think, you know, he could end up being a corner but, or a nickel, but I think he'll probably end up being a safety. But he's a great player. Uh, it's a great get for Alabama. Uh, and then, of course, they got Daniel Hill. And that intertwines into the next point. Daniel Hill running back from Meridian, Mississippi. That was a, a recruitment that was like a circus from the standpoint of, you know, he visited Alabama 20 times. His dad wanted him to go there because his dad went to Mississippi State out of high school, or excuse me, out of junior college. But didn't have the grades to go to Alabama when he first came out of high school. He always admired Saban, wanted his son to go there. So did the mom, but the kid flirted with South Carolina. He flirted with Tennessee. He, you know, he flirted with Florida, a lot of schools, Mississippi state late, uh, but he ended up at Alabama. So uh, that's a nice gift. But see, that also means, uh, you know, that they, that, that you have to understand that um, they, that they signed two back. So you would think, Two would be, uh, you know, uh, de- departing. Roy Dell Williams announced he was returning, then met with Saban and re- and uh, is in the portal. I think he's visiting Florida State. Uh, and, and again, I love Roy Dell. Always did what he was told. A team guy, played a ton of special teams. Great kid, man. But he wants to play. And I think what we, we saw, Williams, the one thing you do bring positive out of that Rose Bowl loss is – you saw the first extended time from uh, uh, from Justice Haynes, and we continue to see Jam Miller. And I just think those two guys are the future, and their future is now. So it's going to make Jace McClellan's you know ultimate decision if he's going to go into go to the NFL interesting because William, unless they're going to announce it later today because he finally got the paperwork filed, I had been hearing Jace was going to go into the transfer portal. Because uh, maybe he didn't like his draft grade right now, and so if he didn't, you know, he would. I would. I'd been hearing schools like Ole Miss because of the departure of, uh, you know, of uh, uh, you know Quinshawn money bags, and then or uh, and then or even Texas because he's from Alito. So, but and they and their top back went to the NFL. So, going to be an interesting time for a guy like Jason McClellan, who I think is a hell of a player, but he's also, uh, you know having to split time and he would next year i don't know if he'd get enough touches for his liking because of justice haynes and jam miller it's really really interesting yeah before i get to the running back situation you know something i wanted to touch on as far as uh the the circus shows that some of these recruitments have become and um you know you got to keep in mind there's lots of schools out there, and I know the two Mississippi schools are probably right at the at the top. But Alabama's got a, a player on their team that's a, a, a first year player that made six figures last year, uh, visiting two schools in particular fifteen times, and got paid every time he did it. 
So, you know, that's that's what we're looking at now. And I I don't blame the kids. You know, this particular player was never not going to Alabama. Right. He just took the – and, you know, Auburn Auburn is getting the same treatment two years in a row with Ryan Williams. Yeah. Um, So, you know, that's what a a lot of – you're going to see a lot more recruitments like Daniel Hills. Um, But, you know, going back to uh, the running back situation, you know, I've – I miss the days, you know, from 10 years ago when, when Alabama, you know, used to always have a loaded running back room. And, you know, you, you'd see some guys in the first two quarters, the the first and second team guy get the bulk of the load. But, you know, if, if another guy or if the second team guy had the hot hand that day, you know, you kind of saw the starter spend more time on the sideline. And, I mean, I've been screaming for 22 all year, um, you know, because every time he plays – yeah. Um, you know, he, he, you get out of him what you saw against Michigan. And, uh, you know, in, in this particular case, I, I think it would probably be in the team's best interest if Jace just, you know, went pro or found himself a new home. Um, and that's not to say that Jace wasn't a good football player, but he's just not as dynamic as, as Justice Haynes and to a smaller degree, Jam Miller are. Um, and, and the biggest thing that, that I took from – you know, what Thomas was saying about Milrow, um, you know, two things that are going to be interesting to me. Number one is, because um, I've already got some bad voodoo in my mind about this particular coach, but I'm going to be real interested to see if uh, Seth McLaughlin's Ohio State start, starting center this year and his snap problems go away. Um you know, I, I do blame that on Seth, the O-line coach, and the quarterback. But but the number one priority as this team goes into um, spring practice with Jalen Milrow as the starting quarterback is they've got to come up with something better, a better system for the snap count, um, for blitz pickup, and for the quarterback, you know, the, the the center was calling the pass protection this year. Right. And Great if the point. center's in a three-point stance, he can't see a corner creeping up or a safety creeping up. Now, he can tell if the, the, the mic and the wheel are getting a little twitchy. But, you know, he can't see the whole field. So just just by that scheme, you're, you're putting yourself behind the eight ball. And, and if he does see – um, you know, somebody coming that's not where they're normally supposed to be, you know, he's got to have the mental faculties to, you know, call a hot route um, or a check down and, and send somebody to where that player's coming from because if he comes, there's going to be an open section of the field there to make a play. So that, that to me is, is the biggest, should be the biggest priority. You know, there's no sense in – um, you know, running Seth McLaughlin down the river anymore. He's no longer there. So whoever the starting center is, um, and we probably won't know who that's going to be until after spring, maybe even fall camp. Um, you know, they, they've got to get a better, you know, you know, audible system, snap count system, and, and blitz uh, pickup and protection system than what we saw this year. I mean, you know, and I'll, I'll give 50% of the blame to the O-line and 50% to Milrow. But, you know, setting a school record with this kind of talent for sacks is just its not acceptable. 
No, it's not. I mean, there, what was it, 49 or some craziness? Yeah, it was It was right at 50, yeah. 49, think, highest in the SEC in like 10 years. Just just absolutely garish. And I think, honestly, I, I would say two-thirds of those are on the quarterback. I'm sorry. I, I really do. I, because he can't, he, uh, he can't see the blitz. And then, again, and he holds on to the damn ball too long. So, again, I, I think I, I have I, – you have to ha- – ha- there has to be a balance. I've said on the record that Milrow was QB1 and he came further than anybody I've ever seen. But I'm also saying he's not above criticism, especially when his ass is making probably over a million dollars a year getting paid. So you've got to get better from the neck up, brother. I mean, that, that, that you, ha- you can run a 40 in X, in X time. You can throw the ball a mile. And by the way, Michigan totally took that away. By the way, he couldn't throw the ball deep, so he should have he should have adjusted early and been checking it down. But he has got to get better from the neck up. There's just no question about it. His ass already needs to be in the film room. And then, uh, and then we to, to to piggyback off what William said, I'm just going to read the quote that was released uh, less than an hour ago. You know, Seth McLaughlin spoke to Bucknuts two four seven after he committed to Ohio State. And he said, you know, telling Coach Saban was hard. He told me he wanted like me to stay. He told me I always have a home in Alabama if I need one. In other words, and I always thought this. I thought Seth would return. I went on record as saying that. I thought they would iron out the differences and he and Milrow uh, would, could hopefully work all offseason to get better. But it was probably a chemistry deal. Seth took a lot of heat. And it's what William has said about draft stock and things of that nature. Uh, you know, if the quarterback's not completely, it's a two-way street. If the QB is not doing his job complete, to the best of his ability, it's not all on the center. And if it just continues and it continued all season long, then, you know, he he needs to go somewhere else, make a fresh start. And then, like William said, oh, miraculously, there's no snap issues. And all of a sudden, he can be all Big Ten at Ohio State, and, he's, and uh, his draft stock goes back up. So, again, that's where this is going to be the interesting part with Eric Wolford, uh, uh, Tommy Rees, and Jalen Milrow, and whoever the center is. They're going to have to really get on the same page and do a better job because, uh, you know, right now, who are the centers? Hellfire. William, I, I can, I'm going to throw that back to you. But, I mean, Mil, uh, McLaughlin's gone. TJ Ferguson's gone. And he finished the year as the backup. We know Dalcourt's out of eligibility. They got James Brockermeyer, who's never played. And then they redshirted Rock Montgomery, who they've been working at center. And they got two other true freshmen, James Iannata, uh, and then, uh, you know, Casey Poe. And you played the position of offensive line. It ain't easy to, to play center as a true freshman. I don't expect that to happen. But do you think that they go into the portal or are they going to go through spring, as you just mentioned, and then potentially see who's out there in the portal after spring if they're not satisfied? and see how these young guys develop. What do you think? How do you think they're going to approach it? Yeah, I think you'll see them go through spring practice. You know, there's some starting to be some pretty strong whispers out there, Drew, that Brockermeyer's pushing 300 pounds now. Yeah, I heard that. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and so, you know, I think it'll be him and Rock and, you know, maybe William Sanders is the third-team guy going through spring. He's played center before. Um, but, but, you know, what's going to be the third team guys either going to end up having to be a walk on or, you know, one of the true freshmen. And I think they'll treat it just like they did the quarterback situation last spring. 
if they don't like what they see, then, you know, they'll, they'll go, you know, go on a sales campaign in May, just like they did for a quarterback last year. Um, but, you know, they, they've got, you know, the bodies, maybe not the experience and the depth, um, you know, to get kind of a picture at least of what that position, um, you know, is going to look like. And, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, one of those deals where, um, you know, we got to see what a 300 pounds James Brockermeyer looks like. You know, we've got to see what a a trimmed down version of Rock Montgomery looks like. You know, there may be a, you know, is it there, is there a possibility that there's a Landon Dickerson hiding in somebody's closet somewhere else they can go find in the portal? You know, you never know. I certainly didn't expect that situation to turn out as good as it did. So, um, but yeah, that's going to be one of the, you know, the focuses of spring is, is, uh, you know, you already kind of had a, um, a tumultuous relationship between the center and the quarterback this year. And, and now, you know, with, with Milrow being the experienced player between the two positions, you know, he's probably going to try and establish his dominance over that relationship. And so it's just a, it was a bad dynamic from the, from the MTSU game you know, all the way to the Michigan game and, and, you know, hopefully, you know, removing the center from the equation will maybe allow for everybody to have a fresh start there, but we'll just have to see how it pans out. Yeah. It's just another, you know, situation for Saban to have to deal with and this coaching staff, but they dealt with it this year, no doubt about it. And, uh, and, and like I said, you know, we'll see, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be kind of fascinated to see how it all works out too. And first of all, and, and, I, and I have gone public with this on social media, I just – I congratulate Seth McLaughlin. Uh, he did his job. He got two degrees from Alabama, both a, uh, a master's and a, and a uh, bachelor's. I think he's a stand-up kid. Whenever I've interviewed him, he's been a great uh, – you know, very, very uh, – you know, a compliment of his teammates. He certainly didn't come off as not even wanting to be there. I thought he was very well-spoken and, great, and a great guy. And so I, I just uh, – I, I, I wish him all the luck in the world. I hope he does well. I have no bitterness toward it at all. I feel for him and his family, some of the criticism uh, that he's taken. Now, I understand these guys are paid now. Uh, so, again, uh, when you pay someone, and it's a different dynamic. I mean, you have to you're, – you're, you're a paid employee, so to speak. You're more open for criticism. But, again, uh, I, I don't – look, man, he started every game. If he was that horrendous – as people are, are, are piling on him, Alabama wouldn't have won the SEC. They wouldn't have won, uh, you know, uh, beat Georgia. They wouldn't have, all, you know, or been a play away from the national championship. So, again, uh, you have to understand the game. It wasn't all on Seth McLaughlin. And uh, I, I got, the guy started 25 games. And I just thought it was interesting. As soon as he went into the portal, you got teams like Ohio State and Ole Miss aggressively pursuing him because the guy can play. Okay, so – uh, now it's up to Alabama's coaching staff, like William said, to to, to get uh, you know Milrow and whoever the center is on the same uh, you know uh, page going into this spring and make sure things are much better uh, than they were. Because uh, again, and, and I, I piggyback off something you said, Thomas, and you can comment on it, but you cannot go into next year and you you already know now you're you're going to have a new right tackle, and they and we we know they took the young man from. Uh, uh, from Texas A&M, but he has no experience. I'm still going to be interested to see if Alabama tries to find an experienced offensive tackle in the portal, or if they think a uh, Wilkin Formby, a Miles McVay, 
this young man who redshirted. Do they think one of those guys are going to step forward? But you need that in a center. You've got your left guard. You've got your right guard. Uh, you've got your left tackle back. But, like, you cannot – Alabama will not win a championship next year if you give up 49 sacks. You have got to do a better job, and that starts with the QB as well, of protecting the passer and, and getting rid of the football. And, and I just think – and getting these wide receivers more touches because, uh, you know, I think that was an issue late in the season. Uh, certainly Isaiah Bond is going to make a ton of NIL money with what he did against Auburn and, and the clutch play he's had. But these dudes want to touch the ball. Uh, you know, we've already seen, not surprisingly, Jermaine Burton move on to the NFL. He had a good year. I think he is where he's going to be. He's never going to be a first-round pick. But, you know, they've, they've also got to get Ryan Williams in the fold because right now, and I love Bond, but no matter if Bryce Young were the QB, Bond is not a first-round pick. I think he's probably, at best, a second-rounder, maybe a third because of his size. Uh, but, again, I just think overall, you look at it, Alabama's got some talented receivers. It's a good room. They did lose Malik Benson, but he was a role player. I'm not sure he ever would have been, uh, you know, a huge part of the passing game. So that's not that big a loss. You know, a guy like Jalen Hale can up his production and, and maybe take his place. And they've got Amari Jefferson coming in, Rico Scott. But they've got to have a guy like Ryan Williams, Thomas, because Ryan Williams is magical. He's a first-round pick. And Alabama hasn't had one of those from a production standpoint since Jamison Williams. Well, that's absolutely right, Drew. And really, you know, what we're talking about here is is what are we asking for? And I realize that's kind of it's a very open-ended thing, but, you know, a spring football wish list for Alabama. For me, it's – and the, unfortunately, we're not going to see this in the spring because it's just not how spring works. At least I don't think it is. It's less drives or less – set up where y you have these dead drives, these three and outs, these four and outs, these five and outs. Because if you buy into the notion that the Alabama defense was unable to close the door against Michigan, and that's pretty unequivocal, a good way to make sure they can, on top of the Freddie Roach discussion, is not make them grind down because of empty possessions. So, you know, this, this past year's offense was really supposed to be run the ball, be more efficient, and it never really got into that for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is 49 sacks. So, you know, everybody's just got to get better. I, I think a lot of I – don't, I don't think it's an impossible thing to solve. Excuse me. More than anything, I think Tommy Reese has a staff around him, and we'll see who replaces Holman Wiggins – has a staff around him that will help him make adjustments. Kevin Steele on defense has a staff around him that help him make adjustments. Because if there's one thing you can take very, very positive from this season, it's that both offensively and defensively, generally, second half against, second, third quarter against Georgia notwithstanding, the Alabama team was able to get it right in the third and into the fourth quarters most of the time. You know, you can certainly cherry-pick points where there were struggles. But it certainly got better. You know, 20-7 to seven against Tennessee. Uh, Ole Miss turning around. Uh, excuse me, Texas A&M, same concept. 
So there are certainly points where the Alabama, the Alabama offensive and defensive groups shined, but really it's just more efficiency. And how do you do that? Well, look, I understand that football is gladiatorial combat played between 300-pound men wanting to rip each other's faces off. But there's also a cerebral part of the game. You know, what, what did Peyton Manning say? I threw a lot of duck touchdowns. He was able to do that because he knew what the defense was doing before it was, before it even did it. Now, I'm not saying that Jalen Milrow or the new center or the wide receivers have to be Peyton Manning, but they've got to be able to understand and adjust on the fly to a level that I don't think that, particularly on offense, that group was able to consistently do. Now, if you want to talk about defense, kind of the same thing in a lot of cases. You know, honestly, it sound, I'm not insanely worried about losing Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell because if they're not a couple of guys from the five-star outside linebackers over the past couple of years that can at least get close to that level of production, then there's a much bigger problem on that side of the ball. But the big thing for me is shore up the middle of that defense. You know, I think the defensive line, while you're a little bit lower than I am, it can take, it could use a step up. If Deontay Lawson can stay healthy, look out. And yeah. then what are we going to get from Caleb Downs? You know, Caleb Downs to me was at worst a top five safety in the country as a true freshman. So what can he do to sort of plug and play and fix some of these things? I think the ingredients are still there for Alabama to be a really, really good football team. There are some questions and we're going to beat them half to death on BAM's radio throughout the offseason. But the ingredients are there, but for me, you know, what am I going to say? Fans are going to want to jump through a screen after they hear me say this for the 200th time. Show me efficiency and show me understanding. Because this time last year, you know, Drew, you got to go to the Red Elephant Club scrimmage. Uh, I know, William, you're in the A Club. You got, and we were, got to go to that. And what were we saying? The defense was flying around. The defense was making plays. Now, part of that is the spring, but still, the defense looked good. I thought the defense was better this year. I thought the defense was demonstrably better in most cases. Yeah. Now, what I want to be able to say this spring is, man, I just watched Jalen Milrow, or I just watched Ty Simpson read this and adjust to it and just, joop, you know, it, it might be just an eight-yard down and out, a five-yard down and out because they're sending a corner on a blitz. But think about it this way. Complete take half of those sacks. Take 25 of the 49. We'll give you a little percentage yeah. there. Take 25 right. of those sacks. And instead of being big losses, have them be five-yard down and outs. We're talking a completely different season. Compl like, take half the sacks away against Michigan. Make them a five-yard down and out. Completely different football game. So if I see that from the spring, oh, man, buckle up. I'm so excited. I, you know, I'll be dancing – I will be the worst of bad white guy dancing in front of my television come this next fall. But you got to show me stuff, guys, because I'm very big on one of the reasons I don't follow recruiting. Show me something between the white lines in college. And, the, again, the ingredients are there, but we got to see it pull, get pulled together, Drew. Well, yeah, we do. And, and, and then, like, those 25 sacks, that's 25 touches for, you know, some, some for a running back, some from a wide receiver, potential touchdowns. Uh, you know, NIL opportunities, let's just talk about it. I mean, NIL is a, a thing without question. Uh, so is the transfer portal. So you're trying to keep people happy, man. So it's going to be, uh, I agree with you 100%. I think that's a great way to describe what needs to happen. Uh, no doubt about that. I mean, uh, there, ha there needs to be 
you know, improvement offensively and defensively, uh, no doubt, but especially offensively. And there's some big holes to fill in the kicking game. The greatest kicker, we haven't really talked about I I, I, I touched on it briefly, but the greatest kicker in Crimson Tide history, there is no debate anymore. Uh, Will Reichert is the GOAT. He owns every record. Now, he did kick five years, but so what? I mean, he was absolutely the greatest kicker in Alabama history. He won a national championship. He won multiple SEC titles. I think he's going to have a long NFL career. Now, is Connor Talty that guy? Is he going to be the the dude that can fill those shoes? I mean, you hope so. And then you do get Burnup back as a punt as a punter. But and and then hopefully a whole year of Caleb Downs' magic as a punt returner. But again, you're losing Will Reichert, and he was a really big security blanket because guys, we all know how much we had to drink watching the kickers uh, for the majority of the Saban era. Okay, there was no guarantees. Well. Will Reichert was the closest thing to a guarantee, and he really was. And so having him for five years for, you know, a third of Coach Saban's, nearly a third of his time there, it kind of got us spoiled. So we might have to go back to, you know, hold on to your ass, Fred. Uh, We don't know yet. So hopefully not, but it's something to watch in the spring, no doubt. Yeah, and while we were talking, um, we've got a – a pissed off former Alabama player's father that's causing a shit storm on social media right now. I haven't been on social media much. I did see the Pope stuff, but I This is a this is a tweet that came out ten minutes ago from Earl Little's dad. Oh, I got you. A first round talent. I know people are wondering why he wasn't playing. Well here's your answer. It wasn't because of injuries, so just stop it. I'm just gonna let the film do the rest of the talking. Bama fan base, thank you for all your support. Well, I mean, uh, that the only thing I ever heard about Earl, he, he even talked about himself. He was quoted during preparation uh, for this this bowl game as saying that it was, you know, he was just trying to root his brothers on, but it was really hard because he was recovering from a shoulder injury. So I just, I always went with the, you can't make the club in the tub. He's always getting hurt. I thought he was talented enough to play. I never questioned that. Uh, but he always seemed to be injured. And so, I don't know. I, I think Nick Saban – I heard Nick Saban wanted him to stay, and I think he would have played a bigger role next year because there's going to be corner jobs available. But uh, because, again, as you know, Kool-Aid and Terrion are all hopefully be first-round draft choices. But he uh, he decided to leave and go into the and, – and we know what he's doing. He's going to play for his high school coach, Pat Sertain, at Florida State. And I can't blame him there. You know that dude believes in you. And Florida State's been decimated by the portal as well. I mean, hellfire. As far as I heard, I mean, I think Malik Benson and Roy Dell Williams and T.J. Ferguson were all visiting Florida State as well. There could be a mass exodus to Florida State from Alabama. But, I mean, Earl Little, that interception he made was definitely a, a, a eye-popping play in the spring game. I just hated the fact that that, and maybe you didn't hear the whole story, but that's what his dad's talking about. But I always heard that he had a shoulder issue and he couldn't play. I, I, don't, I don't know which, which is the truth and which is, and I just thought it was an interesting outburst. Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, that dude played the NFL and for Miami as well. So I always thought, and I thought maybe this was one more year he had to wait. I was a little surprised that Malachi Moore came back, honestly, William, because you know, he, he had a great freshman year. The end of his freshman year, he got injured. And then the next two years, he was hurt a lot and wasn't as effective. 
And so I thought this year being he did get a little nicked up, but he had his best year. I thought he would just go ahead and go to the NFL and strike while the iron's hot, which would open up a spot for Earl Little. But once he came back, I wasn't surprised that Earl Little went into the transfer portal. I, but I do wish Earl Little luck. I hope he plays well at FSU, man. And uh, I think there was some tough luck. It wasn't all it, – it was, some of it was out of his control getting hurt. Yeah, and, and you know, it's it's a, you know, it's become a tough a tough and, you know, cut cutthroat business for both the players and the coaches under the, you know, the current landscape of, of NIL and the portal. And, you know, people want to play and they want to play immediately. And, right. you know, there's some people, that, you know, there, there are very few of them, like a Caleb Downs, you know, that can do it from day one. Um, but, you know, that's still – when when you're 18 years old and you see that money floating around in the locker room, you know, you, you want to be one of those guys, you know, right out of the gate. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. That's just part of it. Yeah, it does. And, it, it, again, like, I think – and, Thomas, I think one of the most underrated things that people don't talk about – they are starting to talk about it, but roster management has become a huge part of this for these coaches because of NIL, because of the portal. Managing your roster – is really, really difficult. Oh, it's, it's a nightmare. It, let, let's just call it what it was. As much as everybody wants to giggle about 63-3, to 3, or whatever it was, Georgia over Florida State, I mean, Florida State didn't have 30 players. Georgia didn't have, what, like 22? That's already that, – and before graduation, you're talking about a, four, a third of your roster turning over? That's a brutal, brutal situation to manage. And I think what you're going to start seeing is football turn into more like what college basketball is. You're going to have some extraordinarily top-end talented teams. You know, your Alabamas, your Georgias, your Ohio State. Right. And in most cases, that's going to carry you across the finish line. I mean, good Lord, the the – Neither Michigan nor Washington are the uh, most talented based on the 247 talent composite. I get that. But what they are, particularly in Washington's case with Michael Penix, are veteran-laden teams that have been through the battles in those systems. And so you're going to see some of those teams come up and jump in and do some things. And they're going to pick up the second string, and this sounds terrible, but the, the second string or the disgruntled from the hyper-talented teams, and if they identify one guy, they can go out and throw an NIL package at him. Now, you can argue, should they? Should they not? It doesn't really matter. Should. Should's not, it's not even a discussion point here. But, you know, one of the things that needs to get talked about more is some of this roster management and some of the nightmares of it, because... I mean, I just don't know what you can do when you have players that will hold a program hostage, but then get mad if they. It, and I think there's some there's some players holding Alabama hostage right now, and it's not just a uniquely Tuscaloosa thing. It, it's everybody. Everybody's coming with their hand out, and that's one of the reasons. You know, I will tell you this, Drew. This this is the best way I can describe it. The reason I will never call Dallas Turner by his name, I will call him 15 on this program, is he never finished the drill at Alabama. And he made the choice, and I don't blame him for going and getting NFL riches. But 
man, it's hard to take any sort of guff from somebody like that when they're already making hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, playing football at the University of Alabama is hard, but it's not this, you know, you're not, you're not landing on the moon. That, that, that's a completely different ball of wax. So I think with that in mind, as those kinds of roster problems continue to evolve, and this, you're going to see a fundamental shift, I think, in fans. And I think it's already happening where there's not going to be as much toleration for a lot of this nonsense, particularly as it starts getting out more. You know, you mentioned Quinshawn, Moneybags, Judkins. That's a nightmare scenario that I wonder how many, for lack of a better phrase, classic college football fans are going to put up with and if they're going to get turned off of. But, yeah, to your thing, Drew, roster management has gotten so much more complicated. And, yes, you've got to spend money to make money. But it does – it just sucks. It sucks because, you know, I have a Ph.D. And getting a Ph.D. is really hard. And why are we just tossing aside an undergra- a free undergraduate degree? Like, why are we tossing that aside? That, that is nonsense to me. But we've gone and done it because reasons. And that leaves me very frustrated as a person and as a fan. But, hey, guess what? Because everybody now makes millions, you have a problem with it, shut up and win. Like, it's that simple. Be, well, Al Davis, just win, baby. Alabama goes and wins the national title. All this angsty stuff that you're hearing coming out, it don't matter. But guess what? You didn't finish the drill. You decide If you decide to leave, thank you for your service. Go away. I don't care about you anymore. You make something more cutthroat, and then you get mad about it being more cutthroat. And it's like, all right, look, have fun, guys. I'll cheer for my team, but dear heavens, this has gotten more complicated. It has, and so go ahead, William. Well, I was just going to say, Thomas made a lot of really good points, and you know, I've been trying to warn my friends um, you know, that they keep bringing this up because I think it's been gone, and it's just going to get further away from that for this very reason, but everybody talks about the culture and the Bama standard that that's gone, you know, with this portal and, um, NIL, you know, you're not going to have guys like AJ McCarron and Barrett Jones that play for each other, play with each other for three years. Um, you know, you're like Thomas already said, you're looking at, you know, 30 to 45% of the rosters of most of the top schools, you know, um, flip-flopping and, you know, the, the, the more we get away from the 2020 COVID season, right. you're not going to run across too many teams like Michigan that's got a ton of fourth and fifth year players. They're so old, um, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, that that's what this thing has done. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think the culture that Nick Saban still has at Alabama is probably better than anywhere else, but it doesn't come close to what there was there in 2012. No, it doesn't come close. It really doesn't. Um, you know, and like I said, you know, I know Rodney Orr, he's done a great job of, and he's a friend of all of ours, but he's done a great job of keeping up with the list of, uh, you know, guys that have, uh, you know, uh, that, uh, that have uh, left the Alabama program and he has continued to update it. I mean, we're up to, uh, like I said, Jake Pope, Roy Dell Williams, Tyler Bugner. We know about that situation. He went to play lacrosse and heck, I think we already it's already been talked about on this show that the big NIL payment he got and he never he played one game uh, basically maybe two and then 
So he was probably the most expensive scout team quarterback ever. But to his credit, he stuck it out, and he didn't opt out. And then you got Ja'Cory Brooks, who was a good player, but injuries kind of derailed his time at Alabama. Uh, Anquin Barnes, Isaiah Hastings, we talked about Seth today, uh, and Terrence Ferguson. Monkel Goodwine along the DL. Uh, Shaz Preston, Malik Benson, we talked about him. Eli Holstein is now going to go to Pitt. That was announced today. Uh, he was, you know, a distant fourth or fifth at the quarterback spot, really fifth now. Uh, Miles Kitzelman, the uh, tight end. Earl Little, Christian Story, a little bit of a surprise, but they signed seven DBs. And so, again, roster management's hard. Ian Jackson, uh, who never played much. And then you got – they have added LT Overton and Damani Jackson and Naquil Bertrand. We kind of talked about Bertrand. He's the right tackle prospect. So, all three of them, they have – additions i still think they could add two or three more pieces via the portal uh but then you also go into the numbers game of scholarships as well and so uh jace mcclellan has not announced anything but burton jermaine burton trez marshall terry and arnold kool-aid mckinstry jc latham chris braswell dallas turner justin aboyd they're all off to the nfl and it looks like cj dupree malachi moore trey amos deontay lawson q rob and I think Tim Smith is significant. He's coming back, it looks like. So you're keeping some guys. But this is going to be, William, because of what you just talked about, the transfer portal and NIL. This will be one of my most intriguing springs for me because they have a lot of key holes to fill. I still think they have talent. But then one of the biggest things as a staff you've got to do is get everybody rowing the boat in the same direction and have buy-in. And it's tougher sometimes when you've got the NIL situation? Well, I was just sitting there thinking while you were talking, Drew, and and the first two are easy, and I guess I'm going to use the third name, even though he only went in the third round, so I don't know if I would call that hitting it out of the park. But of all the players that have transferred out of Alabama under Nick Saban, you know, Jalen Hurts and uh, Kamara are really the only two that have – you know, kind of bettered their situation and gone on to make, you know, millions in the NFL. You know, I right, guess you right. could say to a lesser extent that uh, the linebacker that left two years ago and went to Arkansas, oh, you know, yeah, may have Drew improved Sanders. his situation. But, you know, he yeah, was only a yeah. third-round draft pick. So that, yeah, that's Drew not Sanders, that's right. coming close to Jalen Hurts or Alvin Kamara money. No, it's not. And, and, and I still blame that on, uh, on our previous defensive coordinator. So I think – he, he went to bat for his guy who was just a role player and he was a, a decent football player. But Drew Sanders should have been convinced to start at inside backer for Alabama. There's just – there I, I will I, – I, you know, that that's just – Jalen Moody was not a better football player than Drew Sanders. And, I, and I'll have to die on that hill. But, I mean, I think – No, I don't think – Yeah, and so, you know – I, I don't think you have to worry about dying on that hill. And I don't think many people would disagree with you. Yeah, I mean, I just think – I think that uh, that's another reason, you know, Wild Turkey's out of here, Pete Golding. But, I mean, but we'll see. But uh, it's going to be really fascinating. I know we're about to wrap up the show, guys. But I think this has been a fascinating discussion. I still give give the Alabama season an A- minus because, again, when you talk about Ty Simpson not being as good as I thought he was going to be and he didn't step up. And then, you know, if you had told me before the season, William, that the O-line was going to give up 49 sacks, I'd have thought, uh, eight and four, uh, but they won the SEC. They got to the college football playoff. They were a play away from playing for a national title. 
the defense showed a lot of uh, you know progress under you know uh, you know it, it, uh, it, 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 when they made the coaching staff change. I think uh, you know without a doubt, uh, Traverius Robinson did a, a really good job working with Kevin Steele. Uh, There's progress made there. Uh, I'm going to be interested to see who ultimately replaces Coleman Hutzler, if there's any other staff changes made, and Holman Wiggins. But this is going to be a very, very interesting offseason. There's no doubt about it. But um, uh, this has been a great show. I appreciate you, Thomas. Appreciate you, William. I'm sure we're going to be – there will probably be an emergency show when all these coaching staff changes are announced. Or we uh, may intertwine that with uh, in February when they finally – have the rest of the uh, signings announced when Ryan Williams' destination, hopefully to the University of Alabama, is announced. And there's still QB Reese out there, too. Uh, so, And we'll see if there's any more transfer portal additions. But this has been a great wrap-up show, no doubt about it. And uh, I appreciate uh, uh, all the support, all the Patreon, all the questions. And I think everybody's going to enjoy our roundtable discussion of this Alabama football season. But And we will have a spring practice preview, as we always do, and we'll talk about the right tackle competition, the center we did a little bit today, and, of course, replacing Justin Aboigby, replacing Turner and Braswell, and uh, and two first-round corners, in our opinion. So we're going to have a lot to discuss, but it's been a great discussion today. Hope everybody enjoyed our season recap and our wrap-up of the Rose Bowl loss and for the University of Alabama looking to Nick Saban's 18th season. But for everybody, I, we appreciate it. Have a great rest of your Sunday and roll tide. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.